Hello, learners, and welcome to Learn On Podcast. The science show by kids for kids. I'm your host, Jhansi, and I'm here with... Me, Sanai. Today, we're going to be talking about the science behind feeling emotions and what goes on in your brain when you encounter various feelings. For the guest spotlight of this episode, we will be interviewing Christina Flack, CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup and Sepsis Advocate, to discuss her journey with grief management. But before that, let's understand how we feel our emotions and what processes occur in our brain to allow this. Emotions can play an important role in your body in several different ways, including your thoughts and behavior. The emotions you feel at critical points in your lives can affect your perception of memories, physical health, and even your personality and identity in the long run. But also, what parts of the brain are responsible for making us think these emotions? The limbic system mainly makes us have emotions, specifically the amygdala and the hippocampus. We know this because when the limbic system is damaged, we have observed the following things in people. Changed or inappropriate emotional responses. Changed to drive in appetites, such as not being able to control eating or drinking. Alteration and fluctuations in temperature control. Some loss, memory function, or difficulty learning. And impaired motivation. Some conditions that affect the limbic system are epilepsy, autism, dementia, and many more conditions. However, there are multiple parts of the brain that make us feel emotions. Different core networks contribute at multiple levels to develop these complex feelings. For example, the amygdala is commonly referred to as the fear center of the brain. The primary purpose of the brain as it's evolved is to make the best choices to keep you safe. The brain is enclosed within your skull, but receives information about stimuli from the outside through sensory organs and electrical signals that come from the eyes, ears, nose, mouth, and more. When the right stimuli are represented, a specific emotion can be triggered, along with a possible physical reaction and a facial expression. For example, if you see something scary like a giant bear, your jaw would drop in surprise and you would feel the fight or flight response. Your heart rate would increase, you would sweat, your knees would shake, and maybe your stomach would start to twist out of nervousness. Now, we've quickly talked about the things that can affect the limbic system. However, in general, conditions that are tied to several shifts in mood are bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD, major depressive disorder or clinical depression, persistent depressive disorder or dysthymia, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, and other personality disorders. Many researchers are working on ways to connect these psychological conditions with physical responses in your brain to create better medications and therapies to treat them. But for now, it's important to learn more about our emotions and how we express them, as well as ways to manage negative feelings like grief. So it seems like we have a good understanding of how emotions work and how our brain processes all of these complex feelings. And with that, let's get into the interview.
today we're here with a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Christina Flack. I am a celebrity makeup artist and the creator and CEO of Pretty Girl Makeup. I am also the mother of five, and I am the widow of Ken Flack, who was a professional tennis player. He was number one in the world in doubles with his partner, Rob Seguso, and he passed away almost four years ago from sepsis. And since then, I have become a sepsis advocate and also speaking about dealing with grief in a positive way. That's amazing. And we find your work so inspiring that you've been able to transform your experience with grief into um, something where you're able to empower yourself and other people. And grief is definitely a very tough emotion that many people have to deal with. And so uh, today we're just going to be talking about your story with grief and how we can apply those philosophies and principles in other people's lives to better handle our emotions and even turn it into a positive experience. So without further ado, let's explore. All right, so first, if you could tell us a little bit more about your story with grief and I guess what you went through during those challenging times, that would be amazing. Well, my first experience with grief was my mother when I was 19 years old. And that was incredibly hard, but she'd been ill since I was eight. So it was expected. Then my son, Bo, passed away on Christmas day 15 years ago from SIDS. And that was catastrophic in my family because it was unexpected and it was a baby and it was on Christmas. And so I went down a very dark path after my son died for a little bit. I was taking sleeping pills during the day to just numb my feelings because I was in such turmoil emotionally. But then I got it back together after about a month and was focused on living a, a positive life for my children and my husband at the time. Even though my marriage failed after my son passed away, we are still a family and we co-parent and we're friends. I remarried Ken. And then when he passed away unexpectedly, I was shaken to my core. So I started being more disciplined than I usually am. I exercise twice a day. I drank more green juice than ever. I prayed, I meditated, I spoke with therapists, counselors, uh, everything. So it is very hard dealing with grief. It is an emotion that unfortunately all of us at some point in our lives are going to experience but we're the most ill-prepared. No one prepares you for dealing with grief. And so I think we don't know how to deal with it. And it's so devastating because someone we've loved so much is removed from our life. And it's shocking almost to feel that. Like, it's like, how could this happen? How could this person be here and then not be here? It's a very strange emotion. We can only imagine how hard it must be to go through all of that. But it is amazing that you were able to bounce back and improve yourself and work on yourself. And we really admire you for that. Well, thank you so much. I think it helped me. The Sepsis Alliance contacted me after Ken passed away and asked if I would be willing to speak about raising awareness for sepsis, which is the disease that he died from. Uh, sepsis is an infection of the blood that attacks all your vital organs incredibly aggressively and quickly if you're not treated. My husband, unfortunately, was not seen by his doctors or given the medicine that was needed to save his life. 
And so all his organs shut down. So I started speaking on podcasts, TV and radio about it. And then it segued into how I've been dealing with grief. I was on the doctor channel on Sirius radio one time waiting to get on. And I heard the woman saying before I came on, we have this guest on, she's had this very tragic life. And I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder who that's going to be. And it was me. I was so shocked that she viewed my life as tragic because I don't, I I've had tragedies in my life, but my life is certainly not tragic. I've had a billion miracles and amazing things happen to me. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, that's definitely a very interesting way of looking at it. Um, it's just a perspective. You can look yeah. on anything in life as a positive or a negative. Obviously it is a negative that my son passed and my husband passed my mother, but from that, there have been good things. I have been raising awareness and saving other lives. I started an educational foundation at the Northern Light School in Oakland, California for my son, Bo, and for Ken. I started a garden with my friend, Lisa Zimmer, in Mill Valley, California at the Edna McGuire School that my children went to, that there's a Bo Friedman outdoor classroom, and which is fantastic. Education and nutrition are very important to me. And it's fantastic that kids that are in K through fifth grade are given the opportunity to plant seeds and watch it grow and then harvest it and eat it and, and you know, cook with it and do science experiments with it. So that makes me really happy. I, I think obviously it is very awful when our loved one leaves us, but I think it's up to us to decide how we are going to handle it. If we are going to wallow and live in this dark place and be miserable and negative, or if we're going to try and do something positive and be grateful for what we have and not for what we don't have, I think it's a choice. Yeah, for sure. And that actually answered one of the questions that we had for you regarding how grief has changed your life, personal goals and philosophies. And definitely we can see that that was a very transformative experience in that I guess shifting your perspective can be very, very helpful. And we also had another question. While grief has changed your life, how did the people around you support you and impact your healing? That's interesting. I think the thing that surprised me most was that perfect strangers showed up at my door with food or came in to your everyday life to comfort me while they're grieving over the loss of Ken or Bo. So it was surprising to me that the people that I thought were going to be the most helpful actually ended up being people that I wasn't that close to and who now I am very close to. I think the best thing that you can do when someone is grieving is to just listen and let them talk. They have so much going on. Sometimes they just need to verbalize what's going on and what they're feeling because their emotions go all over the place there. It's interesting when you're grieving, you think that, okay, I'm, I'm having a good moment. Okay. I'm over it. I'm over the hump, but you're not, it's just, you're having a good moment. And I think you don't ever get over it. You learn to live with it and you learn to deal with it and manage it. And for me, exercising, not getting too tired, not getting too hungry, exercise was incredibly helpful to me and making sure like if I got too hungry or too tired, everything just seemed enormous. And knowing after Ken died, knowing those things it really did help me deal with that. I also went to a grief camp at Canyon Ranch with a rabbi named Sherry Hurst from Los Angeles that had written a book called We Plan and God Laughs. And 
it was very interesting to hear her perspective that she says that no one's grief is more important or harder than anyone else's. Also said that we all grieve in a different way. And so I've really learned to not be as judgmental with anyone dealing with something as a hardship. We don't know, we're not in their footsteps. We don't know what their background is and why they're dealing with things a certain way. For sure. And I think that when we have to deal with tough emotions like grief, it only shows how different people are. And so that's why I think it's also very helpful to implement mindfulness and think about what someone else's perspective might be and what someone else is going through. And when we're also able to step sort of into that path of empathy and recognizing that everyone is different, we're able to heal much more and also support other people. Grief is one of those things. It's always going to, you're going to have to deal with it at some point. It's not going to go away. It's there. So for me, I wanted to deal with it and try, because I knew that would be the only way to get my life back on track was to, to deal with it, even though it's incredibly painful. And there's days that are harder than other days. You know, obviously the holidays are hard, especially because it's the anniversary of my son's passing and every day is hard with Ken gone. It's just, life isn't the same. He made life very joyful and fun and loved me so much. Well, this has definitely been very helpful in terms of exploring more of what grief is and how we're able to help other people. So now let's go on and explain. Okay, let's do it. If you could, would you go back in time to give yourself past self-advice and change any way that you've handled this grief? Would I go back in time? That is a very interesting question. If only that was true, I would love to have five more minutes with Ken or Bo or my mother. Unfortunately, it's not true. But if I was to go back and speak to my young self, I would tell myself to not worry, know everything's going to work out fine to be kind to myself and not so harsh. I think one of my friends said something to me once. It was so interesting. She said, you know, you are the kindest, most loving person to your friends and you are so cruel and mean to yourself. And I think that's true. I think we're so hard on ourselves and that's crazy, right? Why would we be hard on ourselves when we should love ourselves most? So that is one thing that I think I would try to be as more loving to myself. Yeah, definitely. That is great advice and something that I think, not just with grief, but overall, to try and implement and be kind to ourselves. And I guess exploring on that further, what do you think are healthy ways to cope with grief? And what about unhealthy ways based on your experience? Well, definitely, I think healthy ways are acknowledging that you're sad and that you're angry and that you're scared and you're unhappy. I think it's fine and you can have a moment or a day or however long you're having. I think those are all healthy emotions. I think acknowledging them is the first step and doing things like making sure you're fed and you're rested and you're exercising and you're trying to work. But it's also okay if you're having a bad day to go watch Netflix or eat a pound of cookies. Whatever you need to do to get through the worst part, you need to do. Unhealthy things would definitely be reckless 
lashing out at others. Those are not positive or helpful things that are going to make this process easier. They're going to make it harder because now you have more problems besides the grief. Now you've damaged relationships or damaged your health. So I think those are all definitely difficult things that make a bad problem even worse. Of course. And and as there are so many healthy and unhealthy ways, let's evaluate. So what did you find helped most for you when you were dealing with grief? I think what helped me most dealing with grief is dealing with grief, acknowledging it, feeling sad when I was feeling sad, feeling angry when I was just being in the moment and just taking a second and figuring out what was I feeling at that exact moment? Was I scared? Was I sad? And and those emotions come and go. Some days they're stronger and more powerful than other days. Some days are easier. And to acknowledge when things are a little easier to just be like, oh, thank goodness it's easier. Taking time and being kind to yourself. I think helping other people is a great way of dealing with it. It's interesting. I was on this show once uh, with these two therapists and they were so interesting because they were talking a lot about post-traumatic shock that we go through once when someone dies. But they also said that there's post-traumatic growth, but that again is a choice. So to get into that place from the the post-traumatic shock to going into post-traumatic growth, you do need to be proactive with how you're taking care of yourself and making a choice of how you want to do something positive to honor your loved one. I did the garden and I did the educational funds. I do this public speaking. These are all things that I do to deal with my grief and deal with my post-traumatic shock to turn it into post-traumatic growth. Yeah, and I found your wording really powerful that the best way to deal with grief is to deal with grief. And I think that sometimes people often maybe in denial of their feelings can only exacerbate it and lead to some of like the unhealthy coping methods that you had mentioned earlier. So it is really, really helpful to just, as hard as that may be, to just confront that you are dealing with grief and that it is going to be a tough period in your life and then being able to transform it into post-traumatic growth, as you had mentioned. Yes, I think that's true. I think it's okay to acknowledge it. You just have to, there's nothing you can do. It's there, it's not gonna go away and it's not gonna go away and you think, oh, okay, in a year I'll be better or three months. It's been almost four years now since my husband's been gone and it's still incredibly painful and it's gotten better or I've learned to deal with it better but he's a piece of my life that's gone and I miss it. Right, of course. Of course. So we may have talked briefly about this before, but what advice do you have for someone who's struggling with with grief management from your experiences? I think it's important to have someone to talk to, whether it be friends or family or a therapist. I think it's incredibly important to verbalize what you're feeling and what you're going through. I think the better you take care of yourself, you're going to be better equipped to take care of others. And and because I work with this energy healer in Canada, Diane, and she always tells me, you can't give someone an orange unless you have a bag of oranges to give them. So we shouldn't feel guilty about taking care of ourselves. 
because you're, inevitably you're going to be in a better place to help others. And that's something that I have really learned and, and I work on. I was having a hard day the other day and I was in my office and I went and called a spa and I went and got a massage because I just knew I was getting close to not getting into a good place. So I did that and it just totally changed energetically what I was going through. Yes, for sure. And finally, we had talked earlier about how, I guess, you sort of develop a community when other people are helping you to deal with your grief and you're connecting over that. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for someone who maybe needs to support a loved one struggling with grief? I think it's important for them to know that you're there. But the worst thing, and I remember this used to annoy me so much, people would look at me with pity when they'd go, oh, are you okay? that would drive me crazy. I wouldn't say that to someone. Obviously they're not okay. People don't know what to say, honestly. I think right. people mean well, they want to help you, but they don't know what to say. So they're asking you if you're okay. And obviously you're not okay. But that question used to drive me crazy. I think if I was to go with a loved one or a friend that was going through grief, I would just sit there and listen and ask them, is there anything that I can do to help you? What do you need? I know this is a hard time. You must be feeling so many different things. And because the tilting of the head and, oh, are you okay? Is not helpful at all. Right, definitely. And again, that goes back to the topics of empathy and mindfulness that we cover on this podcast and being able to not only recognize the feelings that you have within yourself, but also for other people. And sometimes when you're able to comfort someone compared to when you might stress them out more by just asking if you are okay, that can change their healing experience and how they end up dealing with it. So we definitely appreciate all of your input on this. This has been a very interesting interview and we definitely learned a lot. Of course. And as grief management is a huge, crucial thing that can affect lives. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It was so impressive. All the questions you had for me prepared and you guys are, I don't believe how old you are. You guys are wise beyond your years and it's so impressive how prepared and amazing you are. So you've done an extraordinary job as interviewers and made this process very easy. So thank you. Until next time, learners.